you know, we're talking about this is February. I know February kicks off Black History Month in, in the United States and there's significance in that. And, you know, every month has a different thing, this and that and the other. And typically for churches, January is like vision month, you know. Uh, and now we're in February and we still haven't had vision month. And so February this year, I'm declaring it as so that it is Abundant Life Joplin's Vision Month. So we're kicking that off today. Um, I'm going to talk about <coughs> something that isn't exactly our specific vision, but it's it's talking about the idea of change, right? We started this uh, last week when I talked about not looking back and the importance of not looking back because we have a future ahead of us, and if we're paying attention to the back behind us, we can't get to where we're going ahead of us as quickly. Uh, and then this week, I want to, and the reason I want to talk about this is because this is important stuff. It's really easy, <coughs> sorry, it's really easy for us to talk about how excited we are about change until something changes in a way that we don't necessarily like, right? And so, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a job, but I've had several, uh, and well, most of us have had, all of us have probably had a job in here, but I don't know if you've ever had one of those jobs where you know that there's stuff that needs to change, and you know that um, your boss comes and says, hey, man, some things are going to change, and you're excited because, you know, you're like, hey, God's hearing my prayers because I've, I've been saying we need to change, and, and now uh, we're, we're going to have change, and then it comes comes around and you start talking about what that change is going to be and it has nothing to do with the things that you think need to be changed. It's difficult, right? It's hard because we all get these ideas about what is important and what's the most important and what our, our uh, pecking order of, of things in life should be. And so <clears throat> today we're going to talk about growth and how growth mandates change, right? If we're going to move forward with God and we're going to grow in God, something has to change. A great example and an analogy that we can use is uh, Madeline tomorrow turns eight, right? She's super excited. She, I, I don't think that you could find a kid more excited about tomorrow than her. Maybe another kid that has a birthday tomorrow, but I'd venture to say that Madeline's running neck and neck with them, if not destroying them in the excitement level, right? She just absolutely loves her birthday. One thing that, that I can tell you about my kids is that when, when Madeline was born, she was born, uh, she was like three pounds six ounces so she was like little tiny right and she's grown into what 30 48 inches something i don't know she's tall enough to ride rides at disneyland disney world so whatever height that is she can hit that now right for a lot of rides but she didn't get from three pounds six ounces to where she's at today without having some significant changes in her body, right? Why? Because growth requires, it demands change. 
And if we're going to grow moving forward as a body of Christ, there's going to be some things that are going to change. There are things that have to change, uh, that we have to institute change in, and then there's things that are going to naturally change because as things shift, we just kind of naturally flow into something else. But we need to be ready for it. And I'm going to talk about a, a couple of verses today in a real quick talk about some stuff Jesus talked about, and then I'm going to talk about five uh, personalities, different personalities and how they respond to change. Now, this isn't an exhaustive categorization of personalities and how things are going to change, but it's just a generalization. Five different areas that personalities and, and how the, they react to change. So we're going to start out today uh, in Ecclesiastes. And you don't go to Ecclesiastes very often, right? I mean, I don't hear too many sermons coming out of Ecclesiastes. There's a couple other books that you hear less sermons than that coming out of, but there's not too many that come out of Ecclesiastes. There's some quoting of some scriptures uh, in there, but in Ecclesiastes 3.1 it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So what is that saying? It's saying that there's, there's a time for this, there's a time for that, but there's a time that things are going to shift from one thing to another. It's just the, the seasons shift, right? And there's change. That's what this is talking about. Everything, to everything there is a season. And if it's a season, then it only, it's only going to stick around for so long, right? So we're, we're walking through this life and we're seeing this like, potential in this church right now we're seeing this direction that we can go right now and i can tell you that that as a leader in this church as a person that god has given a responsibility to help direct the flow and the path of this church i can say that i can see the future and it's bright but you know just because i can see the future and it's bright doesn't mean we're going to get there that the only way we're going to get there is if we can all come together and move forward together and, and navigate change as it comes along. Now, I'm not saying all this because I'm gonna, we're going to revamp everything from the ground up. We've made some changes already. You guys have seen them. We changed the logo. We changed the phone number. We've, we've changed... Uh, the the front of the building we've done some changes to the back of the building and there's more to come and i'm excited about that i've got the price list together for what we need to make the front look different and you know what it doesn't cost nearly as much as i thought it was going to and i wish that we would have just done it right from the beginning <coughs> but we're, we're making changes why because growth m mandates it demands change we want to grow. Why? Not so that we can have the biggest congregation in town, but so that we can reach every single person that God has for us to reach. And we can't reach them if we aren't open to and subject to change. There are three, th there are three certainties in life. I like this. The people used to 
talk about two definites in life. The first two are those that I always learned. Death, taxes, <laughs> right? Those two things are definites in life. And then the third one is that things will change, right? And then as believers, there's a fourth one that we can actually throw into this. And this is where our hope and our comfort comes. And it's where our rock is. And that's accept God. He never changes, right? God isn't changing his mind about this church. He's not changing his mind about you. He doesn't change his mind about mankind and their importance and what he wants out of mankind. God doesn't change his rules and regulations to suit our lifestyle or our desired lifestyle. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that will be for all eternity. He will never change. And that's a, a comforting thing as we walk through change in our lives. It's really comforting knowing the one that, that is helping direct this, that we can get to know him and we can get to know his personality. We can get to know the way that he does things and the way that he talks to us and the way he communicates in our lives. And we can trust his word is never going to change. So now how crazy, no matter how crazy things around us get, no matter how insane things get in the world, we know that God never changes. And you know what that means? That means that heaven is always open to us. That means that what Paul said, he said that that uh, um, that that it's it's good, it's good to stay here but it's better to be with the lord right who do we fear do we fear man no why because we already know god never changes we already know where our path is going we already know where eternity sits for us we have nothing to fear in that area of our lives god never changes the world does it will and we will but God never does. To be successful at initiating change, this is a part that I want to talk to in relation to the church right now, is that uh, to be successful at initiating change, we need to create an environment for change while considering the cultural history of the thing that we're changing. What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? That means that this church has a rich history it's been around for a long time. Unfortunately, it hasn't been around longer than I have, but it's been around a long time, right? And so in those years, there's a lot of incredible things that have happened in this church. There's a lot of incredible things that have been done through this church. And we don't want to change that. We always want that to be the way that it is. But moving forward, there will be some aspects to how that happens that'll change. But we're still going after the lost. We're still looking after to see the, the, those in bondage set free. To see those that are sick healed. We're still in this process of accomplishing and helping people to see all that God has for them. That's not changing. 
But sometimes how we do that will shift a little. Maybe this year we do third Thursday and we hand out coffee cups. Maybe next year we do something different. Right? It doesn't matter the approach that we take to fulfill the goal as long as we're following the direction of God. Thank God I'm not the same person I was 25 years ago. I can tell you that I wouldn't be standing here if I was, right? But for the last 25 years, I can say with full confidence that I have had nothing more on my heart than to follow the direction that God has for me. 1999 was the year that that I really uh, made a commitment to God and said, you know what, God? You get me through this stuff in life, and I promise you that I am going to push forward after the things that you have for me. And I wasn't throwing out a fleece and saying that this is the only way this is going to happen if you take care of this. Because you know what? Some of the things he took care of and some of them he didn't. But he knew that my heart was shifting and my commitment was changing. And through that, my whole entire life changed. The direction of my life, everything that has to do with my life shifted in 1999. And as the shift started years before, in 1994, when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but the massive shift in the direction of my life took place in 1999 when I made that commitment. Thank God it did. I think about how many people's lives that we've been able to touch in disaster because we followed the plan that God had for our lives. I think about uh, how many people's lives have been touched in the, the, the messages that God's given me to to preach to people you know this bible the it's starting to get to the point where the covers like falling apart and all that stuff this bible has been on every mission trip that i've ever gone on anytime that i've ever preached in any country that i've ever preached i've preached out of this bible most of the sermons that i've preached in the states have i've had this bible with me this is a big deal bible for me But God has given me so much uh, inspiration and wisdom and insight out of this Bible. And it's directed me and, and, and pushed me into new places, into doing new things, experiencing new situations to understand God in new ways. Why? Because we have a lost and dying world around us that needs the hope in Jesus. That's it. And you know, how sad would it be if we didn't share what's inside of us to those around us? I believe, I don't, I'm not one that gets on the wagon, the bandwagon of, you know, if you don't do it, then nobody's going to and people are going to die and go to hell. Maybe there's truth to that. I don't know. But my thought process is this, that look, if I'm not going to step up and do it, God's going to have to call somebody else who's probably already busier than they need to be to step in and fill my shoes to accomplish what he's asked me to do. 
My part is important. It's really, really important. And if I don't start seeing my part as important, then I'm not going to see people touched around me the way that they need to be touched around me. I'm always going to have that thought process. And, and look, we're talking about football a little bit, and, and I'll tell you, I never played football on a team. I played football in the backyard type of stuff. But I'll tell you this about sports in general. Nobody wants the guy on the team that's going to th think if something comes towards him that, oh, that's okay, the guy behind me is going to get it. Or, oh, that's okay, we can make that up in the next inning or the next period or the next quarter or whatever sport it is that we're talking about, you know. Nobody wants that guy on their team. You know who they want on the team? The person that sees every single play, every single at bat, every single fly ball, every single shot on net as the game winner or the game decider. You could be down by 20 runs, and I can promise you that everybody wants that guy that's going to get up to bat, that's going to act like he's going to hit the walk-off home run. Why? Because your dedication is so intense and you can't do anything but bring the people around you up to where you're at. And when we see the importance of what God has for us and what He has for us to do, that's how we see life. And you know what happens when that's how we see life? People's lives around us start to change. Why? Because they have to grow when they're around us. And if they're growing, they have to change. A seed doesn't stay a seed when it's full grown. It turns into a plant. A caterpillar doesn't say, stay a caterpillar. It turns into a butterfly. Why? It's fulfilling its destiny. It has to change. There's something in it that has to change. And we have to be open to change in our lives. If we're not, we're going to miss what God has for us, and people around us aren't going to get it from us. They're going to have to get it from somebody else. You don't like the way that somebody's preaching on TV? Then maybe you should start preaching to the people that you know that are listening to them so that they're getting it the way that God's given it to you. We can't sit around and complain about how other people are or aren't doing something when we're not willing to do anything ourselves. Man, you know how many people that I've heard, and I, I'm telling you, I've heard this a lot. Why are you going to go on a short-term mission trip overseas? Don't you know there's people right next to you that, that are hurting and need what you're going to take over there? And my response is, well, it sounds like God's calling you to do something for the people right next door, so you might want to do it. He hasn't called me to do it. He's called me to do something else, and that's okay. And if you feel that passionately about something that's going on around you, then maybe God's calling you to change some things in your life so you can step into what He has for you to do. Do you know the number one problem that people have with Joel Osteen is that he smiles too much? <laughs> he's, too, he's too happy, right? And, and then people say that he, he doesn't preach the Word and 
He's got money, and there's a whole list of things. But one of the biggest complaints that I've heard over the years about Joel Osteen isn't his preaching. It's in that he smiles too much, right? And the second thing is in his preaching. And my thought is that, look, he's giving hope to people in a way that nobody else has given them hope. And if you don't like the way he's doing it, then maybe you should start giving people hope the way that God's given you to give people hope. Stop complaining about what other people are doing. Stop seeing what other people are doing is wrong. Are there people that are, that are flat out blasphemous and, and teaching heresy? Absolutely. But God will give you discernment if you seek him to know what's right and what's wrong. It's not our place to sit around and complain about it. And I'll venture to say that, look, we like to sit around and complain about what our, our, our local authorities are and are not doing. Do you know locally you have a chance to make change if you feel that strongly about it? You can get involved with local politics and you can make changes or help institute change. And yes, they do need it. But you know what? Here's the thing that we always have to remember as we move into this area. We all need change too. I can promise you if you sit down with me for, for two hours and we just shoot the breeze that you're probably going to walk away and go, man, I can't believe that he said that. I can't believe that he thought that. I can't be, why? Because none of us are perfect. And I can tell you this, that that even if in my perfection, you're going to find fault in it because we see things differently, right? And in your perfection, I'm going to see fault because I see it differently. It's okay. We can see things differently and still be a family and still have a massive impact for the kingdom. But what has to change for us to do that? Our mindset. We have to see things differently. We have to understand that, look, I'm not compromising the Word of God in any way, shape, or form, but I will listen to your argument as to why you don't think the Word of God is, is the final authority. I'll listen to it. We're not going to agree, but you know what? At the end of the day, I can promise you that I'm not going to see you any different now than what I did before that conversation. Why? Because I'm working every single day to see people the way that Jesus sees people and to love people the way that he loves them. And he did not turn people away because they saw things differently than him. In fact, I would say that he didn't turn anybody away that people walked away from him. And you know who was the biggest change instigator of all time walking this earth? Jesus. In Luke 4.16, I'm going to share this real quick before I move on, and I want to push through some of this and, and uh, uh, get through to the five things that I want to talk about. But I think that this is an important foundation as we move forward with the church and with the vision of the church. In Luke 4.16, it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read. So this 
scripture, this verse, uh, it speaks to Jesus' custom of reading scripture in the temple, right? And, he, and you never see, one thing you didn't see here is Jesus violating the history of what he grew up with. He never violated the history of the people that he reached out to. That doesn't mean that he didn't uh, encourage and, and require change in people's lives and in the way that they saw things, but he didn't go after their history unless they came after him with their history. That was completely wrong. Many times he challenged those things that the religious leaders had substituted for the authentic will of God, but he didn't challenge the history of their culture. The best way for us to create an environment for change is to build on the existing history. That's what our desire is with this church in 2024 as we move forward. We're going to build on the existing history that this church has. And some things are going to change and some things will stay the same. But don't get upset. Please don't get upset if the things that change are the things that you want to keep and the things we keep are the things you want to change. Just trust God. Pray about it. Come talk to us. Go out to lunch with us. Go out to dinner with us. Have coffee with us. Talk about it. But don't get upset and offended because something changed that you didn't want to change or something stayed the th same that you think drastically needs to change. Look, we won't get everything right. I promise you that. But I will promise you this, that we're going to work towards it every single day of getting it right. And as we move forward together as a family, we're going to see this, this all come together and cultivate into this rich future for the church that we're going to have going forward. The Sermon on the Mount is a great example of, of change and history coexisting. And this is my favorite part of the Bible, and I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to breeze through some of this. But five times Jesus says, you have heard that it was said in just Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said. What is he saying? He's talking about what traditionally has been talk, taught in the, amongst the Jewish people about different aspects of their, their life and their relationship with God. And you know what? Five times he follows up with, but I say to you. So he talks about um, murder is one of the things. And he talks about, you've heard this said, uh, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. What's he saying? He's saying that the same judgment that you're up against for murdering somebody, you are up against for hating somebody as well. If you're angry without cause. And he, he talks about uh, 
committing adultery. He talks about divorcing your wife. Uh, he talks about swearing falsely or, or lying under oath. Or, um, and he talks about... Uh, He talks about the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Look, this is, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to push anybody into believing things the way that I do. I have some pretty strong thoughts and opinions about a lot of different things. One of the things that, I, and I, I'm not going to like get on this as like a, a bandwagon thing or this is, this is how it, you need to see it or how, I've always had a hard time with capital punishment. And the reason I've had a hard time with it is because the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. That's a pretty bold statement, right? I don't know what to do with all that, to be honest with you. But I will say that this right here has made me think and change my thought process for things that I swore up and down I would never change on. Why? Because I listened to this and what did Jesus say if those that have ears to hear let them hear I had at one time I didn't have ears to hear now I have ears to hear and I'm hearing and it's making me change my thought process on the word and what I see in the word and how we move forward with things from the word at no time does that ever mean that that there shouldn't be consequences to bad decisions. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that what is, what is our, our approach to these things? What are we basing these things on? Do you know the church culture in America has been raised on this belief that these certain things have to be done this way? And people just, I never put a second thought into a lot of things. Why? Because it's what I was raised with until I started to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And I started listening to the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it started to make me change the way that I viewed people around me in the world around me. Man, just think about what the world would be like if, if our enemies were welcome to sit at the table and eat with us. That would change some stuff right? It would change some stuff pretty massively. The impact that we would have on the world if we started to look at this and go, maybe there's something a little different here that we need to see a little differently. And I, I totally got caught up on all of this, so we need to move forward. So um, we can see that Jesus came to make some changes. He took history and what had always been and turned it into a new way of thinking. He kept the history while simultaneously upping the ante. And I can't say that phrase without thinking about one of my all-time favorite snowboard videos called Up in the Ante. And the reason that I love this video is because the opening montage or whatever you want to call it has this massive rail that, that has a 
ramp up to it on one side and a landing ramp on the other and it sits about yay high and this guy just comes flying down and he pops up and he does not quite a 360 it's a 720 uh, technically and he spins around so he comes up to the rail this way and he spins like this and he spins like this and boom he lands on the rail backwards floats down the rail comes off and spins the other 90 degrees and lands and rides away and i'm thinking yeah that's the way life should be we should conquer everything that way let's just bam and when i read this stuff and i think about how jesus upped the ante that video that trick right there up the ante for me in snowboarding i got so jacked about that that i went out and just about destroyed myself because i wasn't going to sit back that guy can do it man i bless god i can do it too guess what i can't do that <laughs> it's okay to admit you have limitations but what it did is it it pushed me to a new level and this is what jesus was doing on the sermon on the mount is he's pushing people to a new level to see things a whole new way why because he came as an instrument of change without doing away with all of the history knowing that that jesus requires change and knowing that change is required for growth and expansion it, it may be in our best interest to not only accept change, but at times pursue it. Why? Because Jesus has got stuff for us that we can't get to if we don't change. So let's pursue it. Let's go after it. Let's not do things. Let's not meet status quo. Let's up the ante. Let's do a 720 into a a front side board slide and come 90 out and ride away victorious because we just accomplished something that we were never able to do before. Why? Because we upped the ante, because we went after it. Let's love people better than anybody else in Joplin can love people. Let's see people in a better light than anybody else in Joplin can see people. Let's push the envelope of love. Because when we do, we're going to move into an area that God has very few people, I believe, on this earth today that are willing to walk in. And we want to be there. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it doesn't come without potential harm and, and hurt and emotional stuff and losing things and physically and, and all that material stuff and everything else. There's a there's a price to this but i'm saying that if god never changes the price of what we see on the back side of this is so much greater than the value of what we potentially could lose in the middle of it that god has something way better for us on the other side of obedience and changing our thought process and our and how we see things so that we can move into where he needs us to be and so with that, let's get in real quick. I'll run through these. I'll just be a few more minutes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. Um, but there's five different types of personalities that I want to cover real quick. And the first one is a risk-taker personality. This is about 4% of people. And risk-takers risk are quick to buy in, 
tend to leap without looking and are excited by the risk of change. And their battle cry, let's do this thing. And they're motivated by risk. Number two is the pioneer personality. It's about 20% of people have a pioneer, pioneer personality. Willing to take risk with reason. They're builders. They want to build something of significance. They're not locked into the past, aware of, but not consumed by the past. And they don't always agree, but believe you're doing something of significance. The battle cry, use us or lose us, and they're motivated by vision. The third one is the the hesitant follow follower personality. This is about 30% of people. And uh, they're not against change, but are slow to commit to it. They tend to follow the pioneers out of respect. Their battle cry is, we'll go if they go. And they're motivated by the influencers. And the influencers, in reality, are the pioneer personalities, are the biggest influencers that we have in the church. The fourth one is the skeptical follower personality. This is about 30% as well. Um, they question the changes being made. To them, they're here to make sure it's going well throughout the whole process. Their battle cry would be, is wait for us, and they're motivated by a fear of being left behind. And the fifth one is a resistant follower personality. It's about 16% of the people in the church. And they are the most vocal sound, they're the most vocal, sounding like the biggest group. They feel they speak for the majority, and they are <coughs> they are many times resistant because of their attitude or past experiences. And their battle cry is heck no, we won't go. I don't know if you guys ever watched any history stuff with Vietnam and one of the big chants was H-E double hockey sticks. No, we won't go. And so this is a takeoff of that. Heck no, we won't go. And they're motivated by tradition and the past. And the only reason I bring these up is not because I'm um, trying to put people into categories or think that we all need to be into categories, but I brought this up because I want you to think about where are you at on this scale? Are you a risk taker, a pioneer, a hesitant follower, a skeptical follower, or a resistant follower? Why? Because if you can identify that, you can get with God and make the appropriate adjustments so that you can be right where He needs you to be in this change. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be one or the other. I'm not saying that we don't benefit from resistant followers or skeptic followers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm asking that you evaluate, self-evaluate. Where are you on this scale? So that you can be prepared for it going forward. Because, like I said, there's going to be some things that are going to change. And there'll be plenty of things that won't. And it might not be the things that you want to change, and it might not be the things you want to stay. But we're going to move forward. Why? Because growth mandates change. And if growth mandates change and we're growing, then things are going to have to change. 
And we'll see amazing things for God. Why? Because we trust Him. Because He's faithful. Because He doesn't change. You know, the, the thing that, that got me this morning where I got a text from Janet and she's saying, pray for my nerves and, and my mental health and all of that because she's going through, you know, just because Todd's the one that's facing surgery doesn't mean that she's not going through plenty of stuff herself. But you know what? God is the God of peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And if we focus on God, we can bring that peace to people around us. We can bring it to people that are amongst us, that are a part of this family. We all struggle from time to time. We all have faults. We all have flaws. But you know what else? We all have strengths. And we all have something to give as we move forward with this thing with God. We all have something to give. We all have talents. We all have gifts. We all have something. And God needs us to bring it to the forefront, but sometimes He needs us to change first. And that starts with a willingness before we can ever move into anything else. In 1999, I wouldn't move moved into a, a, a position of changing unless I had, had first had a willingness to change. It had to come first. And the argument about the chicken and the egg, there is no argument about this. The willingness has to come first. Without the willingness, obedience is impossible. So think about this as we move forward. And next week, I'm gonna, we're going to start sharing some specifics on what we want to do, how we want to reach people, and all that stuff. Just give me a few more minutes, okay? Um, but w- moving forward, we're going to, to reach out to the community probably in a different way than what we've seen in the past. And we're going to believe God for miraculous, supernatural changes in people's lives. People impacted for God in ways that, that will surprise us as the tools that God uses moving forward. It'll shock us. Like, whoa! Imagine what it'll be like if you've never prayed for somebody to be instantaneously healed and you lay hands on them and they are. It will blow your mind. It is the most amazing thing you'll ever experience. Ever. We're open and willing to change. We're going to see some miraculous stuff in this church. Yeah, I want to share something that you had brought up. And this is very important to me. You know, I'm against the death penalty. And the reason being, I lost a, uh, a brother and a sister in law that were murdered. And uh, I never really thought about it.
That's right. No, that's okay. And just think about one of the things that it has hit me is um, I don't know if you saw End of the Spear, but it's the Jim Elliott story when they went in South America or is it Central or South America? They fly a plane in to reach this unreached people group and the people end up killing them. And I remember this very vividly. There was a scene in there where his son they have a gun and his son sees the gun and he asks his daddy if he's going to use it. And his dad's response was this. He said, look, I know Jesus. They don't. If I use this, they'll die and go to hell and never know Jesus. That stuck with me. Why? Because look, the truth is, is that, that when we make mistakes, we don't always get the happy ending at the other side of it because God forgave us. Sometimes there's a consequence for our decisions that outlasts us. And one of those may be our freedom forever. But I can tell you this, that in that time of fulfilling that punishment, who knows who's going to come to know Jesus? Who knows? How awesome would it be for you to go to heaven and meet the murderers of your family? And that's what I'm saying to you. I, I've never felt that that person that murdered you should be punished so, so much that they, you take care of them. Yeah. And I, again, that's not, I'm not trying to get on the bandwagon about, no. about this and, and make this a, a the main thing because it's not the main thing of today the main thing of today is that change we need to change the reason i brought that up is because that's one of the early ways that god started to change my thought process started to move me in a different direction so as we move forward we're gonna we're gonna be challenged with some things that we feel like are at the very core of who we are and god might say that you know because that's at the core i can't be and maybe there's going to be some stuff that he's going to have us shifting within ourselves to make us into the people that he needs us to be so that we can have the impact that he needs us to have. Father, I just thank you this morning for this message that went forth. Father, I just pray that in this message, Father, that you spoke to the hearts of everybody in here in some way, Father, wherever they're at in the scale of the five personalities or wherever they're at in the area of change in their life father i just pray that you continue to work your will into their lives help people to see where where they are in reality in the scale of who you want them to be who you need them to be father i thank you that your will will be done in this church i thank you that going forward
we will see signs, miracles, and wonders, and it will become the norm for this church. Thank you, Father, in advance for miracles in this place, for deliverance in this place, for healing in this place, for provision in this place, for community in this place. Loneliness has no place in this church. Father, I thank You for thoughts and minds being set free. Mental illness being healed in Jesus' name. Thank You, Father, that anything that we struggle with, that You give us a family to work through that with us. Thank You, Father, that we stand in faith believing that Your Word will stand for all eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay.